Welcome to Builder Funnel Radio. My name is Spencer Powell, the Inbound Marketing Director at Builder Funnel. And each week we bring you marketing and sales strategies for your home building or remodeling business. Thanks for joining me today. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 15 of Builder Funnel Radio. Today I interview Kimberly Mackey of New Homes Solutions, and we do a deep dive into the world of new home sales management. And in this episode, you're going to learn one of her proven strategies to get salespeople to convert 50 sales a year, and that's before walk-in traffic. We also talk about some personality profiles for both sales managers as well as salespeople. And I think you're really going to get a lot out of this episode. So enjoy episode 15 with Kimberly Mackey. Hey, Kimberly, glad to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me, Spencer. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited as well. We're, we're going to dive into a topic that's new to us here at Builder Funnel Radio. We haven't covered this yet, and so I'm very excited. And that is new home sales management. And, you know, maybe for our audience, just give us a little bit of background. You know, how did you get into the world of new home sales management? Sure, and we'll try not to make sales management uh, quite so scary today. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I got into to new home sales and subsequently new home sales management uh, a little bit by accident. I was in the whole dot com industry, and um, of course, you know we know how what happened there. Uh, so I came back to to Tampa and uh, decided to work in business valuations and needed my real estate license to do that. And at the when that um, the company that I the guy I was working with, you have to work under an appraiser to do that. Uh, decided that that wasn't going to work out for him, and he didn't he didn't want to go through with it. Uh, so I was sitting next to a, to a lady who was in new home sales, and she had been telling me how wonderful it was. So I'm like maybe I should give this new home sales thing a try. So, uh, so I did. And um, I've, I've just been so privileged you know, to work in on-site actually selling uh, and then move up the, the ladder. I worked, I was a, a VP of sales and marketing for a, a large regional builder at the time. And uh, then I've worked for the large nationals and I've just been privileged to travel around the country and train with the best and the, and the brightest and been doing New Homes Solutions since September of 2007, which of course is a great time to start <laughs> a, a business in home building. Um, but it, it really has, it, it's been on the uphill climb uh, ever since. And I, I've really been very fortunate and blessed and can't imagine doing anything else. That's awesome. Yeah, super cool. So you kind of stumbled into it and then fell in love with it and I guess I'm curious what what kind of caused the transition from you know from being in it to helping helping others you know kind of perfect that you know that role. Well, interestingly, in 2007, as you know, we were we our bubble had burst. Uh, so I was working with a large um, national builder who decided to pull out of the market. I was based in Tampa, and uh, I was a VP of sales and marketing for them. Um, they kept me on for about uh, a year after they decided to pull out, so I knew it was coming. But uh, one day, the, uh, the the only two of us left standing uh, in management was the, the land guy, the land vice president, and myself. And he came in with this ashen look on his face and said, uh, it, it, and just was sweating. And I said, is it time? <laughs> of course, again, I knew it was coming. So... 
before I could ever really even decide what was next, the phone started ringing with all these people who knew me and knew, knew of my successes and, and wanted help. So, you know, they, I had always had a desire to really do consulting and, and training, but didn't think the timing was right. Well, I was proven wrong because the phone started ringing. And before I knew it, I, I was, you know, in, in it with working with multiple clients and trying to help other people navigate through the downturn. That's awesome. Yeah. So there was a, an instant kind of demand for you there, right? Right. As that uh, the bubble burst. And so then I'm assuming you kind of, you know, jumped in and started helping these companies and, and the rest is history, right? The rest is history, as they say. Yes. I always say, you know, the, the, the good Lord slams the door and uh, but he opens a window and you just have to cur- have to have the courage to climb through it. So uh, it wasn't pretty, but I climbed through it. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And we were talking a little bit about, you know, sales management before the show. And, you know, one of the things that we were talking about is how a lot of these, you know, builder sales managers, they get pulled in a ton of different directions. You know, why does that happen? You know, it's sales managers tend to be fixers. We we tend to wear a lot of hats and we can do a lot of things and a lot of different things. And that's what makes us very good at being in sales management. Unfortunately, because we're good at a lot of things, we tend to put our hands in a lot of things. And owners of the company oftentimes will say, oh, well, just give this to Kimberly. She'll get it done. She's, she, you know, it's we're, we become like the Mikey's. Of, uh, of home building. We have to work with our ownership teams and our leadership teams and our sales managers to really stay focused on those things that are going to give you the return on investment and not get distracted by all of the other things that maybe you could fix, but you don't necessarily need to. So, you, you know, the other part of this is we are a little bit of a control freak. So we think that, you know, we're the best person to do everything. And it's tough. I'm, I'm right there with these people because I am one. Uh, but we have, to, we have to learn to delegate and to look at our teams and the skill set of our teams to maybe offload things or even ask ourselves, is it really important that we actually do whatever it is? If it doesn't happen, what, what will happen? What's the end result? As Dr. Covey tells us, if we begin with the end in mind, then we, we can work backwards and say, Does this, is this really relevant to what we're trying to do? And I think sometimes we just get caught up in being busy instead of being productive. Yeah, completely. And yeah, I think that busy term just is, it's a terrible one because everyone kind of um, has a, a badge of honor, so to speak, around being busy. And, and you don't really want to be busy. To your point, you want to be productive. And, you know, so I guess how do, how do these people prevent getting pulled in all these different directions? Like you said, there's a lot of things going on, wh- whether it's personality, you kind of, oh, I feel like I'm the, the person to jump in and do this, or ownership, or somebody else is going, oh, this person is the best to get that done. So I'm going to punt this over to them. I guess, how do you prevent some of these things from happening so that you can be truly productive? You know, the interesting thing, Spencer, is that when I'm called into a builder, a lot of times they're in transition or they may not have grown enough quite yet to have a sales manager or, or, or a VP. And they'll bring me in. They bring me in for a very limited amount of hours each week. 
Um, on average, that's about eight to 10 hours a week that I would work for a client. And as an outsourced sales manager, when I do that, it's amazing the things we're able to accomplish. It's also amazing how the owners of the companies and the, uh, and the division leadership will figure out how to offload the things that can't get done in those 10 hours. Because obviously you can't do a 70-hour job, a 70-hour-a-week job in 10 hours. So the things that I focus on are those things that are going to make the business successful, get more sales, make those sales more profitable. You have to have that clear direction and that, that North Star, if you will, to focus on those things. You know, the, the irony here is that I hear my sales managers go, I just don't have time to do planned encounters and sit down with my people every week, to which my response is immediately, eat, wrong answer. <laughs> you don't have time to not do that. That's where you that's where you need to spend your time. That's your big rocks as you're putting them in. If you remember the story about putting the big rocks in the base first, then putting the pebbles in, then the sand, then pour in the water. Yeah, because it's amazing, it'll all fit, but you gotta put those most important pieces in first. So yeah, and thinking about that analogy, you know, what are what are two, you know, two or three of those big rocks that this, you know, somebody in this position needs to focus on first and prioritize? Well, the first thing they need to do is spend the time with their sales team to make sure that the sales team has the training, the coaching, and the, the guidance. And that's where that planned encounter, that accountability comes in. Um, I have a very simple form that I created on an Excel spreadsheet uh, that I use with my builders. We, it can be incorporated into a CRM uh, customer resource manager if we need to do that. But in a lot of cases, it's, it's fine just to go old school on this thing and have people fill out this form every week. Uh, have your sales team fill out this form and then sit down with them. It's their business plan for the week and the month. What are they doing to drive their business and we as sales managers, how can we support that? What resources do they need from us? We're also, of course, reviewing those top five prospects um, and any sales in the pipeline. We're looking at the, at, at the CRM pipeline and how are they doing on scheduling their appointments, um, you know, that type of focus. So that's the number one thing a sales manager can do. The second thing that they need to be doing is always be recruiting. So they need to be looking at their team and they need to have a bench, which means you got to get creative sometimes. Maybe we need to bring on a trainee or we need to bring somebody on as a host so that we're constantly training and top grading our team um, to and, and making sure that we have the right people in the right places. And that people management can be a, a very time consuming uh, focus. And of course, the marketing resources would be number three to make sure that those marketing resources are there. It is marketing's job to drive the, the traffic. It's sales job to convert it. So always looking at creative ways of being able to do that. And that's where you can, if you don't have a marketing team, um, that's where you can get creative with outsourcing, with, um, you know, going to some agencies, um, <clears throat> With even, you know, maybe there's some skill sets from your sales team, different things there uh, that you can do to save the budget, but it's got to be done. It's very important to market so you drive traffic. That's awesome. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, for anybody listening, you know, jotting down those, you know, those top three rocks and, you know, having those at the top of your list and thinking about those as you start the week, you know, will certainly help 
making sure that as those other things get piled in, you know, making sure you're pushing those off, uh, either finding another place for them or fitting them in between your priorities, you know, to go back to the, the analogy. Um, switching gears a little bit, I'm curious, I know you have a, a program that you talk about, you know, called 50 sales a year before walk-in traffic. Tell us a little bit about that. What does that look like? What does that entail? All right, you ready for this one? It's going to knock your socks off. It's so crazy complicated. You ready? <laughs> Let's do it. <clears throat> okay. If you are, if your sales team has 10, on average, 10 new leads per week, some of them may not need that. Depends on the quality of the traffic. But that 10, uh, they, they need, on average, 10 new leads a week. Five first appointments a week. Every week, five first appointments with quality prospects who are who they're taking those taking those leads and converting them to a prospect to uh, to make them a customer. Two second, third, fourth, sometimes referred to as the be back appointment. That leads to one sale per week. So in my world, if you get two weeks vacation <laughs> and you get one sale a week, that's fifty sales a year, right? Simple math, right? Yep, absolutely. So, and there are multiple ways to drive that, that 10 and the five uh, are, are where we focus our efforts uh, and just ensuring that the sales team has those. If they have those appointments, then they're going to get the sales because you're 50% more likely to convert from an appointment than you are from just somebody who just walks in uh, or, or is a cold lead. But the sales team also needs to be cultivating so that they are, are driving about 50% of their own traffic. And they should be doing this through their realtor relations, um, through referral efforts, and through efforts getting out into the community. Um, I require my salespeople to do two outside activities every month. And it should be something that they probably already have an interest in doing. You know, they're not going to go to the Rotary Club if they're not interested in being in Rotary. Um, but it should be something that they are interested in where they can go out and they can represent the company, represent themselves and, be, and place themselves as the expert in new home sales so that they're getting that out there. In addition to their realtor activities, their realtor outreach that's, that's required every month so that we are driving that quality traffic to make sure that we have five first appointments every single week. The two and the one tend to take care of themselves after that. Yeah, and that's part of that planned encounter too. You know, that's that's the focus of the planned encounter. It's actually designed to to look at that sales funnel all the way through. How many leads did you have come in? Where what are those lead sources? Uh, what's working? What isn't? Who are your hot prospects? Who are your B's and C's? What are you doing with them? And what and then what are you doing to drive your business? What activities do you have planned? What real estate offices are you going to? Which realtor are you taking to lunch to cultivate your VIPs? Because let's say before any walk-in traffic, you have 25 realtor VIPs who are also going to bring you two, they're going to bring you two deals a year. 25 times two is 50. See what I did there? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it makes the 50 a very achievable number. It, it really is. And this is per salesperson, I want to stress. So, you know, the number one thing that I have to ask builders is how much land do you have and how quickly will you react when I show you what your new absorption rate is? Uh, because I have literally run builders out of land because they were in denial over their new absorption rate. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that was a shocker. 
Yeah, well, yeah, it's not hard. I mean, this is simple math. <laughs> One would think, you know, hey, we're selling four or five a month and let's do the math. How many more months of, uh, worth of the supply do we have here? So it's one of my agreements right up front when I go to work with a builder because, uh, and they always laugh. They're like, oh, that's a good problem to have. I'm like, well, it is and it isn't because starting and stopping is also not good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, you started to talk about these these different methods that these salespeople should be using to drive their own traffic. And do you find that, that most salespeople are doing those activities, not doing those activities right now? No, they really aren't. Um, you know, and, and the reason they aren't is because we aren't holding them accountable. They all can do it, but people, general real estate is all about driving leads. Everything that is trained in general real estate is all focused around leads, leads, leads. In new home sales, we tend to get those people who didn't want to go do that part of the business and would rather have those leads come to them. And they, you know, they're, they're more of a good, successful new home salesperson is a, is a strong closer. So, but you, if you want to be truly successful in this business, you have to do both. You have to drive the leads and you have to be able to close the sale. So combining those efforts and getting out, you don't, it's, get creative, you know, I mean, it, it isn't difficult. I did when I was on site I, on Sunday, I, I cooked in my model center. I brought in a crock pot, you know, I wasn't messing up the kitchen or anything, but I brought in a crock pot with food in it. And, and, and I had, uh, I baked bread in the oven. So it smelled really good. And we could also demonstrate the oven because it was a gas oven. And this was, this was, you know, I'm old. It was back in the day uh, before the gas ovens were as popular as they are today. And people were worried about uneven baking and then they would see this beautiful loaf of bread and they were almost, they thought it was ceramic. They were afraid to touch it. And then I, they would have some and that I, the neighbors all knew I cooked on Sunday and they came in and they helped me sell homes. So it was a referral and they brought people. So that was a, a way to drive traffic going out to, to the real estate offices, but more importantly, figuring out how to get one-on-one with those realtors um, so that you can develop those relationships. Cause like I said, you don't need thousands of realtors. You need 25 who are going to bring you two deals a year. So, and again, getting out into that community, working with the small local businesses, just get creative. You you know, there's so many opportunities out there. We just have to be looking for them. Yeah, I I love the example of baking the bread and bringing the, the crock pot in because, yeah, you know, I uh, just purchased a new home here in, in my community, you know, five years ago. And there's, you know, there's still tons of activity in there. And so I'll drop in a model from time to time. And I would say almost every time I walk in, I, you know, I walk in and there's nobody there. And then they're kind of like back in the back, you know, on their computer and they'll come out and, you know, I, you just wonder, you know, how could that time be leveraged more effectively? And those examples you point out are are awesome because I feel like we get sucked into the computer and not, you know, talking to real people and making those connections. You know, I worked with a, with a sales manager who he used a phrase called prime origination time. And I loved that because what he was referring to is those hours on the floor when you are going to have the traffic, that's where your focus needs to be. You need, you need to not be worried about doing paperwork. Then you come in early. I know. Oh, I, I, boy, I just, some salespeople are listening and just had a little heart attack on me there, but come in early. Do it before you, the model opens or, you know, you may have to stay late. 
Um, I had my hours that I would come in and I would literally like sneak in the back. So because we were in a fishbowl, anybody can see that I was there and I would go in early and I'd work for a couple of hours so I could get all my paperwork, my reporting, all of those things that go along with selling my contracts, you know, in order or pricing done. And then when it was time to open the model, I was ready to be there and be present for anyone who came in because that was my job and that was my prime origination time. Yeah, I like that a lot because, I mean, sales in general, no matter what, I feel like no matter what uh, industry you're in, it's a very time intensive job because you need to be talking to people. That's your production time, you know, where you're making the connections, you're um, going through the sales process, you're moving people along. And so, yeah, to your point, I love that, you know, coming in early, staying late, whatever your personality is, you've got to find that time to do the paperwork, pull together contracts, proposals, documents, all that kind of stuff. But you don't want to limit, you know, that that production time, so to speak, where you're, you know, meeting with people face to face. Exactly. And when you're uninterrupted, it's amazing how much work you can actually get done. So something that would take you all day to do while you're being interrupted, you can probably get done in about 30 or 40 minutes when you're uninterrupted. So it's actually far more efficient use of time. So you don't have to come in early every day. Just schedule it. Just plan that time to do it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I have, I think uh, some of my team here thinks I'm a little bit crazy, but it, you know, about two or three times a year, I get to that point with my list and things that I need to be doing that I'm, I'm just feeling behind. And so I, I call it my, you know, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. wake up day. And there's only two or three a day, you know, or three a year. But I get up and from, you know, two till eight, you know, I basically attack the list and go through everything. And and it's amazing what can feel like a week's worth of work. You really you knock out in six hours. and You go, oh, I feel on top of the world. So, yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah, I have to do that uh, every once in a while myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then you feel much better. It's totally worth it. You know, for those of you listening that, that don't think uh, that we're uh, – giving you good advice here. But I, I want to shift over and talk about um, personality a little bit because uh, we we're talking about sales management and we've talked about, I think you and I were kind of talking a little bit about this before the show. You know, there's people that are in sales and very good at sales and then there's sales management. And uh, I guess, what does that profile look like for somebody that's going to be in sales management? Well, you know, in sales, a lot of times we think about those, if you're looking at a DISC profile, uh, that that high I personality, that high influencer person uh, who, you know, is is the life of the party. They just love people and people gravitate toward them and there's a lot of excitement and a lot of energy. Um, and, and, And that's wonderful, but they have to have enough of the detail side of things. They also have to have enough of that driver because sales is hard. So you have to get out there and, and you know, you know, you're going to be told probably nine uh, told no nine times out of 10. So you've got to be able to be resilient and, and have enough of that driver personality to push you through that. And then the best salespeople have enough of that detail, that C, that analytic side, maybe not too high, uh, but high enough that they can fake their way through the paperwork and get it right and cross their T's and dot their I's. When you're in sales management, now not only are you managing your sales team and having to relate and understand them, but you're having to corral them sometimes. And I refer to it as herding cats every once in a while, you know, bright, shiny objects, you know, that, that kind of thing. 
but you also have to manage up and you have to be able to speak the language of operations and of, of the construction team and focus with them a little bit. So you, you kind of need a, a little bit of all of it um, to be able to manage all of those things. Uh, otherwise, it, it can be a tough job because stuff rolls downhill and you got, you, you're the person who has to stop it because you can't let any of that stuff rolling downhill get to your sales team or they can get really off track really fast. Yeah, to- totally. And, and I guess, uh, you know, thinking back to that salesperson, their, that personality, you know, and you get somebody that's really good at selling and closing deals. Uh, I think you mentioned to me, you know, that oftentimes they're, they're the first to be, you know, promoted into sales management. I mean, why is that, why is that not necessarily a good move? And oftentimes it probably is, is not a good move in general. It's, it's usually not a good move. Um, And a lot of times it comes up because we, we, you know, we see this person who's really good at sales. So we necessarily think they're going to be good at teaching others to be good at sales, uh, which is not the case. Uh, It it can be, but it, it really is rare. Um, the other thing is that person decides, oh, I'm really good at sales, but I don't like working the weekends. So when somebody's primary motivation is to go into sales management because they don't like working the weekends, um, that, A, is you still have to work the weekends when you're in sales management. It's just different. Uh, and, you know, it, it's not the primary motivator. So you need to gravitate toward those people who do take a leadership role and who are looking at... At, at being more involved and understanding the business and being more ingrained in the business part of it and trying to educate themselves, trying to train themselves to put the, the good stuff in, that's probably going to be a different person than your top producing salesperson. So take a look at those behaviors behind the behaviors. You know, who is investing in themselves? Who's investing in their in their training? Who's seeking out? Who's always reading a new book and sharing it with the team and, and trying to help others? Who, who says, hey, bring me the new trainees. You know, and they don't have that scarcity mentality that I, that I often refer to, thinking that, oh, if somebody else succeeds, then that means that I, I'm, they're taking a piece of my pie. Uh, but instead going, hey, if I make my sale, if I make my, my partners and my, the rest of my team successful, it's going to make us all better. Those are the people you want to be gravitating toward. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a, a great point to make just because you can oftentimes kind of wreck your system a little bit. You've got a high performer in sales and they're and then they move up into, you know, this this position. And suddenly your your sales productivity goes way down because you just took a rock star and moved them out. Uh, and they may may or may not be the best, you know, fit for that sales management position. Right. I'm I'm curious, you know, um, we've been talking about, you know, some some offline ways, you know, you talked about connecting with people and we've talked about personality. Um, let's talk about technology a little bit. We do need to use technology today and you know, what are, what are kind of the, the non-negotiables today in, in your mind in terms of technology that we need to be utilizing in the sales world? So, well, a website is, is first and foremost, you have to have the website, but it needs to be, understand that the website is your, your store. We know that over 90% of people start their search on the internet They don't buy on the internet, but they certainly eliminate. So if they have a bad experience on your website, then you're going to lose them. You're never even going to know they existed. 
you need that website that captures leads, that gets people compelled and they want more information. They're willing to fill out that contact us form. You know, it's got to be good, good information. It needs to be visually appealing. And here's a new slash. We don't sell houses. Houses are the end product. Homes are the end product that we produce. What we sell is lifestyle and the relationship. We're in a relationship business with people. So your website needs to show what are the, what are the intangibles that people are going to have by living in your homes and your communities. Don't just focus on the product itself. You need to show the product, but you need to show it in a way that humanizes it. And of course, in order to even get discovered, you're going to need search engine optimization along with search engine marketing. And there's so many wonderful, we could, we could spend a whole segment talking about that. And again, I'm not a marketing company, but you have to drive traffic in order to be able to convert it. Um, social media. I, I just last week was talking to a Builder 20 group and, and you know, they all said, you know, we know, we know we need to do social media, but we don't understand it. Well, you need to understand it because it's so, so important to driving traffic and the presence that's there. Don't be afraid of it. The reason we're afraid of it is because we haven't taken the time to understand it. And it's not that complicated. You just have to kind of dive in and, and learn it. And they're wonderful people like Carol Morgan with, with Denim Marketing um, that I love to work with because they get it. They get it in a way that they understand it needs to be personalized and, and not just a vanilla operation out there and, and understand how to tie all those, those things together. Um, and then all of that needs to work with a CRM. So that, that uh, customer resource manager, your CRM allows you to, to maintain the contact when it's done properly and it's customized, allows you to maintain the contact with those B, C leads, maybe even the D leads that will eventually want to buy your homes. I have no doubt that your good salespeople are following up with those A leads, the ones that are gonna buy within the next 30 to 45 days. But what about the ones after that? It tends to be out of sight, out of mind. And those are good prospects that it costs you money to develop. So we need to be cultivating those and, and touching those people. And the CRM allows us to schedule appointments down the road, send drip campaigns, make sure that those touch points in the sales funnel are all being maintained as we're moving people through at the speed in which we can move them through. Some are going to go through very quickly. Some are going to take a little bit longer and a little bit more nurturing. So that's a whole lot. That's probably a lot more than you expected me to say right there, but I think those things are really key. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, it starts with, you know, the lead generation, you got to get leads. And you talked about earlier, some ways that people can self-generate leads, but then you need some other leads to come from, you know, traditional marketing sources. And a lot of those are, are online today. Cause as you said, that's where people start their search process and that's how they get to find out about you and, and some other, their information basically. And yeah, I'm sure we could probably break down, you know, just CRM and nurturing into their their own episodes. So maybe we'll we'll do that in the future. But um, yeah, I think without without a CRM, it, it gets pretty tricky to track along with leads and and stay organized so that you can actually follow up with, like you said, the good prospects that are maybe six months or 12 months out from a purchase. But wouldn't it be nice if you're sitting here a year from now, if you had all the A leads, the current ones, and some of those C leads or B leads from nine months ago that are also now ready to close. So I, uh, yeah, I totally agree. And, and there's a, definitely a lot to unpack there. 
Um, oh, oh, without a doubt, we could go into a lot more with that. But it is key, and a good CRM will, and combined with your analytics, uh, will tell you what's working and where your leads are coming from. You know, you can really mine a lot of data, but you have to track it first to be able to mine it to be able to be more efficient and driving those leads. So I said earlier that salespeople need to drive about 50% of, of their leads. Um, but that leaves another 50% that the company needs to be driving. So, um, you know, all of these tools come into play. And I think it, the onus is on the, uh, the sales and marketing team to, to be able to take that to the leadership team. Or if the leadership team is acting as the sales and marketing team, well, you know, you got to invest in this. you got to invest in yourself to understand it. Totally, totally. Now, Kimberly, I've got one last question for you to, to close us out for today. But... Uh, first, you know, how can our audience get in touch with you, find you online? You know, what's the best way to connect with you? So probably the easiest thing is to go to my website, which is new homes with an S solutions with an S.com. So two S's right there in the middle. Um, there's a, uh, a contact us button right on there. Um, they can email me. They can Google me, Kimberly Mackey. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I have uh, New Home Solutions on Facebook. Uh, but all of that, they can reach by going straight to my website, which, again, is newhomesolutions.com. Perfect. Yeah, and we'll make sure to link that up in the show notes so that you guys can just click the link and get over there. Uh, so, Kimberly, to, to close this out, if you could leave our, our audience with one piece of advice, what would that be? You know, the, the customer experience really is all of these things that we've talked about. And I know that people want to provide a great customer experience, which creates those, those referral leads. This isn't hard, but it does require discipline and focus. So you can do it, but be disciplined and be focused, be strategic about it. Awesome. Yeah. And Kimberly, thanks so much for, for joining me today. This was great. Thank you. I, I've enjoyed being here. Thanks for joining us today on Builder Funnel Radio. Don't forget to visit www.builderfunnel.com for tons of free marketing and sales resources. And if you ever need hands-on help implementing your marketing and sales system, just send a quick note to radio at builderfunnel.com. And as we close for today, remember, never stop learning. See you next time.